We um, have been pastoring in Fort Dodge now since December of 1985. So doing the quick math, uh, it's a little over, what, 30, coming up on 37 years, I guess, right? Um, and so um, back in 2017, our son took over as the lead pastor of the church, and I'm now his associate. So it gives me a little more time to get out and um, do what I'm doing today, hang out with other churches, go in other places. Um, we've been doing short-term mission trips for a number of years. So for those of you that haven't been here before when I've been here, uh, it's great to meet you. Good to see you all. And my old friends, all of you that have been here before, great to be back with you again as well. Um, you know, we're a product of the 70s. My wife and I, we came out of that 70s culture, the, the drug culture and all the craziness of the 70s. There's an old saying that you can take the hippie out of the 70s, but you can't get the 70s out of the hippie. And uh, so there's probably some of that that still uh, lingers, I suppose, inside of us a little bit. Uh, but we came to Christ in 1979, and our lives changed drastically. And so, uh, once again, we've been here several times. Always good to come and hang out with you folks. Good to see what God's doing here um, in this church. So we're launching a new uh, uh, sermon series today, and it's my privilege to get to uh, start this, kind of launch this um, new series called Beneath the Surface, Healing What Holds You Back. And you know, as I was thinking about that series title and talking with Taylor about it a little bit, Pastor Taylor, uh, about this, this subject, um, I think about there's so many things that, that are beneath the surface in our lives. And we tend to, I guess, kind of talk about or demonstrate those things that we feel comfortable letting out from under the surface of our lives. But there are a lot of things there that, as it says here, actually needs healing because they, they hold us back. And so as we begin this subject of talking about beneath the surface, the things uh, that affect our lives, the things that can hold us back, I'm starting this off today by just talking a little bit about how important our thoughts are. Because thoughts are one of those, it's not really my subject today, my subject is going to be faith. Um, but thoughts are huge because the one thing that lies below the surface that most of us have uh, a very private relationship are our thoughts. Um, we don't necessarily talk about everything we think with everybody. Uh, maybe we have one or two people, if we're married or we have a close friend, we might have someone that we might speak about some of the things that we think or some of the things that go through our minds, but all of us have things that go through our minds that are below the surface of who we are, that nobody really sees or nobody really knows. And our thoughts are hugely important in our life. I think that's probably the understatement of the day, uh, but our thoughts are, are so important in our lives, and I wanna show you why. I have five words here uh, that kind of connect the importance of thoughts. Thoughts are important because eventually the things that you think about long enough and hard enough, you will eventually do. So we might say it this way, that thoughts produce actions. Um, and honestly, we don't do anything without the thought process kicking in first. Now, we may you know, do things without really thinking through the ramifications of what we're doing or how what we're doing may affect us, but a thought has to be involved in all of our actions. So actions, I'm sorry, thoughts produce actions. And if you do an action enough times, it becomes, what's the next word? Habit. So if you do an action enough times, it becomes a what? A habit. Um, so there are good habits and there are bad habits, right? Based on certain actions that we take and certain things that we do. And those things that we do, those actions that we take are based on the thoughts that we think. So we think a certain way, we act a certain way, those actions become habits. When you take all of the habits of our lives and put those together and examine those habits kind of as a package, that defines our what? Our character. And our character will ultimately determine our destiny. 
And so if you look at this, this connection of words, thoughts, actions, habits, character, and destiny, um, the, the destiny of our lives, where we're headed, where our lives are going, um, what happens in our lives on the outside, above the surface, where everybody can see what happens in our lives, all of that stems from the thoughts that we think that no one can see. I can look out here, I can kind of see, I can see a silhouette of all of you sitting out here today. I can see you, but you know what I can't see? I can't see what you're thinking right now. And that's probably a good thing. I mean, there's all kinds of thoughts in here right now, and it's probably good that I don't know what everybody's thinking. Uh, you know what I'm thinking because I'm foolish enough to stand up here and talk. And so what I'm saying is what I'm thinking, uh, although obviously I'm not going to say everything, I think, because there's so many things that go through our minds. Our minds are incredible things. But our thinking produces destiny. I mean, that's the, kind of the, the shortcut here. Our thoughts produce destiny. Those things that are below the surface that we think about, those things that occupy um, our, our thoughts, our concepts of life, our place in life, will ultimately determine the destiny, or we might even say the destination of our lives. Much of what lies beneath the surface in our lives originates in our thinking, in our mind. And so I'm going to start, as I said, with kind of an unexpected um, kind of a subject, I suppose, as we start this, this series on uh, Beneath the Surface. And the subject I want to talk about today is faith. Um, and so when I say that word faith, faith is one of those things that lies below the surface. It's connected to our thought processes. We have faith based on how we think, how we think through life, how we think through our place in life. And so when we think about this idea of faith, it originates in our thoughts. And here's the thing, faith is something that all humans have some capacity for. Everyone has the ability to have faith. You know, I've been in the ministry, as I said, pastoring for 37 years. Before that, I was in the ministry for a number of years as associate pastor and training for ministry. And so I've been around the Christian faith for over four decades. And over those years, especially as a pastor, as a leader, I've had many people tell me, um, you know, I don't really have faith. I don't really believe in anything. I've also been teaching um, at the community college there in Fort Dodge for the last seven years. I teach a class on intro to religion. And again, had a lot of students tell me or in maybe in their discourse or their writings say that they don't have faith. But the fact of the matter is, uh, the truth is that everyone has faith. Every person, somebody might say, well, I'm not really a person of faith. Not true. Every person is a person of faith. Everyone has faith. Everyone practices some sort of faith. And faith and trust are a very similar uh, word. They, they have very similar meanings. I'll talk about that here in a moment. But faith and trust are very similar. If you think about saying, I don't have faith, it's like saying, I don't have trust. I don't trust anything. But honestly, we all have the capacity for trust. As a matter of fact, as I look at you today, I see you're sitting in a chair. That, to me, uh, tells me that you have a certain amount of faith, a certain amount of trust. You're, you're trusting that chair to support your body. When you got in your car, you trusted that the key would start your car, that the car would move when you put it in drive and start moving. We, we, we put faith or trust in things all the time when we think about it in those terms. But placing trust or confidence in something or someone. Think about this. If a person lies, now this is going to be kind of a negative thought here, but if a person lies, they're exercising a type of faith. Faith that the lie that they're telling someone is going to believe. 
There's a faith element even in telling a lie. There's this trust, this faith that someone would believe that. If someone helps another person, if someone extends assistance to someone, they're exercising faith or trust that their help will somehow assist this other individual's life. Think about this, if someone protests against something or casts a vote for something or someone, they're exercising faith, faith that their actions, that their vote, that their protest would somehow affect some kind of a change. Look what it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse three. It says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God's given us all a measure of faith. It's what lets us get out of bed in the morning and go about our daily lives and go to work and do all the things that we do. A certain level and ability for faith, a certain capacity for faith. We may not all have the same capacity. Um, it's not necessarily true that all of us have the same amount of faith or the same amount of trust, but we all have a capacity for it. But faith, one of those amazing things, faith can be placed anywhere we want to place it. We can put our faith or our trust in anything we absolutely want to place it in. Um, we were created with a free will, not a robotic need to put our faith in God. That's a choice that we get to make. Or if we put our faith in politics, or if we put our faith in the world around us, or wherever we place our faith, it's a matter of choice. It's a matter of choosing and deciding what we will trust in this life. God created humanity with a measure of faith. It's hidden from the view of others. I can't see your faith. Faith is not something that can be observed with the naked eye, with the natural eye. But you can observe a person operating in faith. You can tell when someone perhaps is acting in faith. And it does manifest itself in ways that can be observed. When I say that word faith, what do you think of? When I say that word faith, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I think for two and a half billion people on this planet, first thing we might think of when we hear that word faith is our relationship with Christ. 2.5 billion Christians on the face of the earth today, when you hear that, those people, when they hear that word faith, would think of a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we can technically place our faith anywhere we want to. In fact, look at this from Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, others in horses, but we trust the Lord our God. It's interesting that uh, the choice of where we place our faith, we can place our faith in things like chariots and horses. We'll come back and talk about those in a moment. Let's look at the rest of this verse, or actually the verse after it, which is verse eight. Here's seven and eight together. Some trust in chariots, others in horses, but we trust in the Lord our God. They are overwhelmed and defeated, but we march forward and win. When I was talking earlier about our thoughts producing actions, our actions produce habits, our habits produce character, and our character ultimately determines our destiny. If you think about this, where we place our faith makes a big difference in our lives. It's not uncommon today to find people who are really overwhelmed with their own lives, with family issues, with health issues, overwhelmed with the direction that the world is going. Again, as a pastor, I hear this a lot. Some people are just overwhelmed with the direction that the world is going. Um, we can be overwhelmed or overcome with a lot of things. Maybe just, again, I've heard people talk about, I wish we could just go back to the good old days. I had a grandmother that lived into her mid-90s, and uh, my wife and I were talking with her one day. I think it was in the nursing home, and and uh, she said, you know, people talk about the good old days. I don't know what's so good about them. Everything was a whole lot more work back then. And, you know, I mean, things change, but sometimes 
We want things to stay as they are, and that just doesn't happen. And so sometimes people just just have that desire for the good old days, and when they can't have that, they're overwhelmed, they become discouraged, or as it says here, they're overwhelmed and defeated. Um, I know people who just get completely down because the world has changed so much. Change is inevitable. Change is going to happen. But growth is optional. We get to choose by the way we think and where we place our faith. We get to choose to grow. So look at this. We trust in the Lord our God and we march forward. Where we place our trust, where we place our faith will ultimately determine the outcome of our lives. Let's go back to that, that verse one more time. Sorry, can we just go back to that last slide, please? Some trust in chariots, others in horses. We trust in the Lord our God. They are overcome and defeated, but we march forward and win. So when we put our trust in the Lord, we march forward and win. Where we place our trust, where we place our faith will be the deciding factor in the outcome of our lives. Let's look at this chariot and horses things for a moment. Kind of relates to the strength of the military. When this was written, back in Psalm 20, when this was penned, um, this idea of trusting in chariots and horses, um, that was your military. The stronger the chariots, the faster the horses, the more likely you were to have a great victory. And what this is saying is that even in, in those biblical times, people would kind of put the, the chariots and horses in that framework of power and strength and might. And that the, the, the nation with the strongest horses would always be victorious or with the most chariots or the most powerful chariots. They always had that tactical advantage. And the psalmist here is saying some put their trust in having that tactical advantage. But what happens is they become overwhelmed and defeated. But when we put our trust in the Lord, then we have a victory. David's army at one point numbered 1.5 million. You gotta think that was a long time ago. That's about the size of today's US military, all branches, a little over 1.5 million. So David had an army way back there in the Psalm 20 days that was as large as the US military today. That is a massive army. David was the king and oversaw the, the, the most powerful army on the planet at that time. It was the world superpower. And he was saying this. Some people trust in the power of a military. or Some people trust in these things. But look at this. Chariots and horses can also represent faith in our own abilities or in our own strengths. It's easy sometimes to put our faith in what we know or our trust in what we've learned or what we know. Humanism sees the value and the goodness of human beings rather than a divine being as the source of hope for the human condition. Humanism believes that humans can fix the problems that humans have created rather than trusting in God. When we all have available to us, when we're going through struggles, we have our own wisdom, we have our own strength, but when we put our trust in those things, we may become overwhelmed and defeated. Often when we get overwhelmed with life, we quit growing, we quit learning, we really stop living. And sometimes people give up on life because they, they can't make sense of their challenges, they can't make sense of their struggles. Everyone can be a bit overwhelmed at times. And maybe today beneath the surface of your life, you may put on a, a nice smile and you may, everything may look good to people around you, but maybe, you know, maybe just beneath the surface, you feel overwhelmed. 
You feel kind of defeated maybe in some areas of your life. You might just be feeling like, I don't know what's going on in our world. I don't know what to do next. Some trust in chariots, but we trust in the Lord our God. We can think about where we've placed our faith and what we're doing with our faith as we come to the Lord. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Remember the Lord in all you do, and he will give you success. Don't depend on your own wisdom. Respect the Lord and refuse to do wrong. Then your body will be healthy and your bones will be strong. You catch the, the, the rhyme in those last couple lines. Respect the Lord and refuse to do wrong. Then your body will be healthy and your bones will be strong. It's kind of poetic, isn't it? Talks about the importance uh, and we know this passage so well, it talks about the importance of trusting God rather than our own wisdom. We can trust our own wisdom. We can trust our own understanding. We can trust the, our own struggles even that we're going through, that we have a way out, that we can figure out some way to get through this. Or we can put our trust in the Lord and know that when we do that, not only does he give us hope, does he give us strength, but he allows our bodies to be healthy and our bones to be strong. He actually puts vitality in our physical body when we trust in him. When we trust that, prime, that primary element of our life, when we put that trust, that faith in God, we put our faith and our trust in something that can actually be there for us. When we try to figure out things in our own lives and solve our own challenges through our own understanding, we're setting ourselves up for defeat. When we look at those areas in our lives where we feel challenged, where we feel maybe defeated, or we're just overwhelmed beneath the surface, where we're trying to figure all of this out, and we're tired of trying to figure it out on our own, we can trust, this is the good news, we can trust God with all of that. We can turn it all over to him and place it in his hands. Trust in the Lord, place your faith in him with all of your heart, and don't depend on or put any faith in your own understanding. You know, God will do things that we'll never be able to figure out. I could have never conceived of creating the planet in the universe that God created. I could never have conceived of creating humanity the way God did or devising a salvation plan that would come through someone who would take the place of sinners and die on a cross. I would never have been able to conceive of those things in my own understanding. How about you? Could you have come up with those things? Probably not. But we can trust God and know that he has not only our well-being in mind, but that he's already given us the ability to walk in the victory and the faith in him that he wants us to have. For many people today, what lies beneath the, the surface are things like worry, fear, even dread of the future or of the possibilities of life. I'm amazed at how many of us live with fear, with dread, with that kind of a, a sense of, of dread of what's going to happen in the future or where our life is going or where our world is going. I saw the COVID pandemic change people, push people into a, a type of fear. Not that there weren't things that we needed to do, but I think in some ways it rewired the way some people think. And we need to get our faith in God in such a way that we understand that God is there with us and that he wants to help us walk through life. One of the things I think that happened during um, the, the pandemic in its early stages as people isolated, we now find that somewhere around 35% of people who used to attend church have decided they're no longer going to do that. They've just decided not to attend church. They've obviously shifted their faith somewhere. And somebody say, might say, well, there's, they may still be trusting in God, and that's true. 
But when we trust in him, we also want to be with his people. We want to be a part of what he's doing in life. We can live through this life with a lot of worry and a lot of fear. I can attest to that. I come from a long line of warriors. I've struggled with worry my entire life. Even after becoming a follower of Jesus, I still struggled with worry for a very long time. And I can't say it's completely gone now, but I've learned, I've learned something. I've learned how to deal with that worry. I've learned to put my faith in God. As a pastor preaching hope and preaching victory, at times I would still feel that little tinge of fear or worry lying beneath the surface in my life. People didn't know I was struggling with that unless I talked about it. But I had to learn over time to stop that process that took me down that road. The bottom line was that every time I was tempted to worry, I'd get a hold of my thinking, which is a biblical concept, bring every thought into captivity, and remind myself that God's bigger than my worry. God's bigger than whatever you're overwhelmed with today. He's bigger than whatever struggles you might be having today. I read somewhere statistically that 90%, over 90% of the things we worry about, I've heard it said as high as 98% of the things that we worry about will never happen. And so, you know what I've learned to do when I start worrying? I, I think to myself, well, since I'm worrying, obviously that's not gonna happen because 98% of the things we worry about won't happen. So whenever my mind would start going into worry, I'd just say, well, obviously that's not gonna happen. And then I'd move on. I wasn't worried about it anymore. Uh, you know, in the, in the 2% or whatever it is that, that might happen, we can't change that by worrying anyway. So the value of worry is absolutely nothing. Um, so when we think about what, whatever it is that lies beneath the surface of our lives that needs healing, that needs to be changed, the great news is placing our faith is the key, is the answer to that transition, to that transformation in our lives. Where are we placing our faith? Check out Philippians chapter 4. This gives us some, again, very, very familiar passage, but it gives us some great instruction on our worry. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. So let's take a look at those words. Don't worry. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When we turn our worrying into trust, by the way, praying to God is an act of faith. It's an act of trust, like sitting in that chair. Praying to God is an act of trust. And when we pray instead of worry, we're taking those things that we're concerned about and we're placing them before God who can do something with them, where our worrying cannot change those things God can. When we turn our worry into trusting God, he gives us an amazing peace. It talks about this peace that surpasses understanding, that lives in our hearts and minds when we turn all of our fear, all of our worry, all of our concern over to him. If worry or fear lies beneath the surface of your life, think of this. Worry and fear and faith are the same thing. Think about worry and faith. They're really the same thing, the same energy in different directions. What's faith? Faith is an expectation of good. What's worry or fear? expectation of evil. It's the same energy. It's the same kind of thinking. It's just in a different direction. And so I encourage people to use that energy that you use in worry, turn that into faith in God, and watch what he does with all this stuff that lies beneath the surface in our lives. As it states in this verse, we can take our worry and present it to God in prayer as an act of faith. And then something changes 
That thing that was beneath the surface, the worry, the, the sense of being overwhelmed or defeated begins to change into victory, into hope, into confidence in who we are, but mostly in who God is. There's only one place that offers us that kind of hope. There's only one place that offers us victory from our hurts, habits, and hangups. Only one thing that promises us a healthy body and strong bones, freedom from our worries and the depression that it creates. There's only one place where our hearts and minds are at peace, and that's when we place our faith in God alone. Will we live overwhelmed and defeated to the point of giving up by placing our faith in ourselves or in the elements of the world around us? Or will we march on and win by placing our faith in the God who is our creator and our redeemer? What we choose builds our lives. And we make those choices, going back to what I said from the very beginning, we make those choices based a lot on how we think about the life around us. How we think creates actions. My, are my thoughts creating actions that look like actions of faith that cause me to step into trusting God? Like prayer, for example. What if we have a habit of praying every time we get concerned about something? We get concerned, that's the thought, right? The action is we take that, that thought and we pray. And as we pray, we get into the habit of praying. And that changes our character from someone who worries to someone who trusts. And that changes our ultimate destiny in life from this overwhelming, defeated feeling to a feeling of victory and hope and peace. So my message today as we launch this series, um, this series entitled Beneath the Surface, is that we really take some time over the next several re weeks to really be thinking about this. What lies beneath the surface of my, of my life? What is it that is functioning beneath the surface of my life? Is it something positive? Are there things there that need the healing power of God by putting my faith in him? And that's a question as we ask ourselves that the remedy for those things that need to be healed is very simple. As we put our trust and our faith in God, he allows us to have peace and to change all of those overwhelming thoughts and all those thoughts that create defeat in our lives and gives us victory. That's the good news for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. I'd like to take a moment to pray with us this morning um, as we prepare in just a moment for um, another moment of worship. We're going to have the worship team up and we're going to continue in um, worship here for a moment. But I'd like to take a moment to pray. If you could bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today that we can come to you, that we can trust you, that we can know, God, that you are with us. And that whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're going through in life, that you have already given us the answer, and the answer is to put our faith in you and in you alone. God, we don't want to trust in chariots and horses. We don't want to trust in our own wisdom. We don't want to trust in the things of this world, but we want to place our trust directly on you. We thank you, God, for the work that you do in our lives. We thank you that you see was beneath the surface in each of our lives. And no matter what we present or how we present ourselves in the public arena, you know you see everything that's beneath the surface. And you care because you want us to live victoriously in this life. We're grateful that you meet with us today, that you know everything about us and choose to love us and in that love, you choose to work in our lives as we put our faith in you. I pray for this 
body gathered here today, and I pray for this congregation of people. I thank you, God, for your hand on our lives to lead us into the victory that you have for us by simple faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.